Hello and welcome to I Spit On Your Grades, the best sequel edition. That sequel, as in film sequel, not our best episode yet. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Faye. Hola. Mercer. Hello. How are we both? Are we both well? I'm good. Mercer? Anyone watched it? Anyone watched anything at all over the past week? I've watched two things, five things. That jumped. Two things. <laughs> I've watched two things. I watched Searching, um, which I guess isn't really horror. Love Searching, it's great, yeah. Oh. oh no, you had a bad time. Oh, I was just a little off put. Just a little off put with Deborah Messing. Well. She's not really cut out to be a cop, is she? Let's be honest. And um, I also watched Life. Life again is great. <laughs> and Royal If you start slagging this off, we're going to have major issues when we're two minutes into the episode. Ooh. <laughs> that ending was far too predictable for Life. Don't you think? Uh, yeah, but I don't see anything wrong with that, personally. I mean... I don't see anything wrong with a film with Jake Gyllenhaal and Ryan Reynolds. In, I knew that's but, why I went into it. I knew. Oh, well, come on. Can you imagine if they'd have just chucked Ryan Gosling in there? That would have been amazing. If I, I think Life is a really good film. <laughs> that whole containment scene, that's genius. I can see you're on the fence. There's no convincing you. It was like a four out of ten. You're like a four out of ten. <laughs> I've heard that all my life, darling. <laughs> Anything else anyone has watched before we dive into our episode proper? Um, no, apart from what we've been watching. No, it's been... A... <laughs> <laughs> we've watched stuff. The stuff we've watched is the things that we've been watching, I... which we have watched. I meant the things that we're going to be discussing today. That's the only things we've been watching. I, I find myself navigating to the office quite a bit because who doesn't want... Wholesome TV content. Is that the British office? The US office. Okay. But both are equally as good in very different ways. No, but we're not making this a Ricky Gervais slag off episode. We're not. We'll wait for the office spin off sister sister podcast to this, which I'm sure he's just waiting to pull out any point. That and the Parks and Rec. Yes. Offices and Rec podcast. Oh, that's a good idea. We could incorporate Mercer as well and make it Officers Reckon CEI. CEI? CSI. 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 I'm down for Parks and Rec. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe we'll, we'll get paid to have to edit an entire extra podcast one week. And I'm absolutely sure that wouldn't send me to an early grave. Should we maybe crack on with this podcast, though? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's get on with this one first, I suppose. Thank you for everyone for sending in your suggestions for your favourite sequels. We've appreciated everyone weighing in. Had a lot of fun on Twitter this week. We've had a lot of a lot of uh, people coming back to us and interacting, which is really really nice. It's heartwarming to see everyone weighing in. But I'll go first since I was victorious last week. Yes, you were. We'll wait till later on in the episode to reveal what our listeners actually did vote for. Yeah. So. I have gone for 
a sequel to a film we've already referenced on this podcast back in our Best Haunting episode. Faye came in with the classic paranormal activity. And for my best sequel, I have come in with the 2011 Paranormal Activity 3. Mm, good sequel. Some would say the best sequel. I would say the best sequel, which is in many ways why I picked it. Some would be wrong, but we can talk about that. You mean the best of the Paranormal Activity series? It's, it's not only the best of the Paranormal Activity series. It's, no, it's of, not. It's, it's of they were my favourite sequels ever, regardless. Only American Pie 2 stands out as one of, one of the better sequels off the top of my head. But I'll save that for my American Pie podcast. I was going to say, Chris, we can't keep referencing American Pie 2. We're not going to be talking about it. Plus Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. When I, so when I do Amer- my podcast, American Bang, look out for that. How many soon. podcasts do you want? I've only, got, I've only got two that I'm part of at the moment. That's not enough. So, Paranormal Activity 3. Let's lay the plot outline. This one, while it's a sequel, actually takes place before the first one. Faye, don't let that confuse you. Don't don't get caught up in the timeline with it. So we have Katie and Christy who are grown up at the start of the film and they find a series of tapes in their basement which they don't remember ever owning. They have just turned up, apparently, from their grandmother. So that's our premise and our way in to the fact that we're setting this up as a prequel. To be fair, the Paranormal Activity franchise, you know what you're going to get. If you expect them to have some spectacular, far-reaching, conjoined plot that explain this, then you're barking up the wrong tree. I don't think anyone's expecting that from Paranormal Activity films. But right off the bat, you have to wonder... like. In the original Paranormal Activity, you can see why there's this setup of surveillance. But for the prequels, there's just some things that wouldn't be filmed at all. Like him filming himself doing his pictures for his business. It just doesn't make sense in that aspect. And this isn't a tear down. This isn't starting off on the wrong foot because I do actually love Paranormal Activity 3. But it just seems a little bit unnecessary for him to be filming certain things. I know Faye says it's not a teardown, but the fact that she's not even allowed you to get three minutes into the plot before she's interjected with this is shit kind of feels like it is a teardown, Chris. Marriage breakup! (laughs) The the thing is this, with any found footage film, none of them them do it in a profound or decent way where they go, what a Fuck, are you actually filming this? I disagree. I think some do manage to carry off the the idea um, of why they're filming quite well. Paranormal Activity manages to pull off that idea quite well. It does a stop. Then they all, they're always going to hit the same point when you go, things start going tits up and they're still filming, lifting the camera up and running around filming stuff. When you just wouldn't do it. But as I say, that's, you're going to find that with any of the found footage films. It's not even that. It's the fact that when they initially get the tapes, they're filming them looking at the tapes. Why would you do that? Because this is when Katie and Christy grow And just, this is around the same time as what's going on in the first one. So this is when he, she takes the camcorder for him. This is his sister. This is her sister's husband 
filming them in the basement, accepting the tapes. But aside from that, moving on to something more positive, I love the casting of the mom in this film because she looks so much like them, like both of the children. Yes, she does look a lot like them. I think the cast are really good all the way around. Christopher Nicholas Smith as Dennis, I think does a good. I think he does a great job. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's your favorite. Your favorite sound tonight, isn't it? Ooh. It gets a lot across, I think. I don't want to slag off the cast, right? Because that's not fair. Because some of them really tried, really, really tried. But I, I, I legitimately felt like the dynamic, not the dynamic, so the Nicholas and Laura, that's right, isn't it? The mother and stepfather, mm-hmm. I felt like it felt like he was acting. So it felt like it was a documentary where we've got like a recreation with him as an actor playing him. But she was like really natural and believable. And I kind of felt like there were these, they clashed because she was so good. It's, it's Dennis and Julie, but yeah, I, I thought he was perfectly fine. I didn't think he any point looked like he was acting rather no. than against her no. natural ability. No, no I, I didn't I, I didn't get this that. I don't get this either. Um the kids as well. Katie, she was she was perfectly fine. Mm, we don't really hear much from No, her, exactly. She did the best for what she got. Mm. Christy, I think, puts in absolutely outstanding performance. Yeah, for a for a kid, yeah. The best the best performance in a horror film since my last personal favourite performance of Ever Rock. I think I think she is absolutely, absolutely spot on in everything she does in this film and how she acts. I, I I really enjoy her character in this. I think she's, I think she plays as a child would very well. It doesn't seem something a child wouldn't do. I mean, I'm on the. Uh, I I I I obviously I, I don't know what I watched because I thought the child care it was really really good. I thought she was really believable. Christy felt like. It almost felt like she was waiting to respond. Well, she's like she was a child actress who was being told, now do this, now do this, now do this, is the impression I got. Whereas with, with the Katie girl, I was like, well, she's, she's well believable. So. Be fair, Christy's also hearing voices. So she, from when Toby. From Toby. So when it goes, okay, what? Yeah. She got completely. M- much like Heather, Heather Rourke with the TV. She's responding to somebody who isn't there. Or that you can't yeah. see. She is responding to somebody who isn't there. But I'm on about, like, just in general. So, like, when there weren't Toby scenes, it was... it. Again, I thought she was good, but I, I didn't feel she was as strong as... Like, these disagreements that we're having. Um, I didn't <laughs> feel she was strong as child care. The scares in this one. We were remiss to not talk about... The set pieces and the paranormal activity film. Some of the strong, the strongest ones across the actual series, apart from some of the ghost dimension stuff. I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of some of the ingenuity in this. The blanket camera fan scene or sheet, if you will, where the setup is great because you look and go, okay, well, how they're going. 
He's only got this on a fan because they're discussing how he needs more camera and how he can't cover all the space in the downstairs. The setup for it is there, perfectly laid. And then that, mo- that moment, as it just pans back and forth, with nothing going classic paranormal to me, nothing going on, nothing going on. Oh my God, there's a fucking sheet behind her. <laughs> pan back, I love, I love pan back scene. again, turn, sheet drops, nothing there. I do love that scene. I think that scene looks really good. I just felt it was a shame that they used a little cheap jump scare just before. Do you know, like, when the babysitter jumps out of the camera, and she's like, hi, Dennis. I'm like, oh, I wish you'd not done that, because the build-up to the actual real scare would have been... It would have felt a lot more tense. See, I don't consider that to be the real scare. I think the real scare is when she gets upstairs and she looks whatever it is she's looking at in the corner and it blows back in her face that's that's the ultimate payoff rather than the sheet dropping the sheet dropping just happens to look incredible true but it was just even even that like kind of build up to break it i don't know like jump scares are normally what you do to break the tension so that everyone laughs and chills out a little bit don't they after the tension's built they did it before they built the tension which kind of ruined the build up of the tension. Or just place people completely on the wrong footing and threw them off guard as to what's coming next. In case you don't really believe that, I know you don't. The only, the, the only thing disappointing thing with that is the fact that she's still in the building afterwards. If anyone if I had that sheet drop and then have someone blowing my face, I would not be hanging around in that, that house. She's got two kids to look after. She can't just don't leave care. them. <laughs> she can't leave them. They can just learn to fend for themselves. <laughs> You belong to the house now, children. <laughs> <laughs> Tell your mum and dad they don't owe me the 20 bucks. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> the Bloody Mary scene as well. That's quite scary, the Bloody Mary scene. I quite like the I quite like the poltergeist throwback, especially with it being set in the 80s, where they're there and he goes, ah, something bit me. So finally, I'm full of praise. That Bloody Mary scene was very good and it were really intense. Um, and that's why I mean. That's what I mean. Like with like that Katie. Like I genuinely believed she was fucking shitting herself during that scene. Um, and it was the first time I liked him as well because I didn't really like his character. But like you said, he did what I expected the babysitter to do. He like walked out of the house when he could. When when I'm going, I'm gone. I'm, I'm done forever. Bloody Mary, well done, well done. <laughs> well, well done, guys. I got. <laughs> All the, all the money it made, all the all the kudos. I'm sure they're sitting there now going, we fucking made it. <laughs> <laughs> the other one, or the the big one coming near the end with the last big scares, is everything on the, ce- the ceiling drop. I love that. It's, it's like a reverse poltergeist. Exactly. And the reason I love this is the fact, again, it's been built, built well. When the girls have been attacked upstairs by Toby and... They go, they go in bed. She's like, just ignore him. He um, she, he won't hurt you if you just ignore, ignore him. And the fact that they're ignoring him, and the mum is denying that anything whatsoever is going on. Yeah, is why he has to make such that 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 explosion and that full on effect there is what he needs to drive them out of the house and into the into her mum, the, the witches. Yeah. So that's it's not just a it's not just a scare. It's a great scare, but it's a plot point to drive that on and actually drive them out of the house. 
just off topic for a moment, I'm looking at my notes for Paranormal Activity 3 and I've no idea why this note exists, but it says literal slut ghost, like a slutty ghost. At what point is there a slutty ghost in Paranormal Activity 3? I think you may have fallen asleep and just strewn something. (laughs) I don't know why it's (laughs) See, when, when it gets to the grandmas is where it starts to lose it a bit for me. In terms of no, because at this at this point, right, we've had we've had three paranormal activities, and your first one is a demon, or, or let's go. We're looking at a poltergeist. Your second one's an actual literal demon, and then your third one turns into witches, and I'm like, pick a lane, guys. When you buy witchcraft books, they're always witchcraft and demonology, because witches summon demons. Just seem to flip flop for me. The the problem they have, and the problem that every every separate direct the the issue is every film scene has a different set of directors i do or the first three everyone has a different set of directors on it and there's absolutely no because the studio going right we want a cheap film scares make a lot of money over halloween none of the directors are actually able to pull it pull anything together so this was their attempt to at least tie up why there's a demon Mm -hmm. in the first place yeah, it's messy, and I don't think it works particularly well at all. And he's saying that it doesn't take away from the end scene and how good the end scene is where Dennis is basically snapped in half. That scene is fantastic. That'll be why you put Slutty Ghost is broken in two. <laughs> no. I'm going to have to go right. back and rewatch and find out why I put this. I... Again, wow. I legitimately thought the grandma house scene was really fucking tense. When he's just walking around shouting and there's nothing and you're like, where are they? And then when he opens that door and all the mm. women just turn to him, I'm just like, fuck me, that's quite tense, yeah. that part. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not tense. I just feel it's, it's just a messy way to try to tie the films together. Can I ask a question? No. I'm going to anyway. We've gone to Grandma's and it becomes very apparent at the end, after she's broke him up, that Kater and Krista and Toby uh-huh. are all involved in this plot to get him killed. What about the mother? Was she part of it and was she like a sacrifice to project the story or did she not have any idea i don't believe i don't think she had an idea about it i think it was all on the grandma because the grandma was into it and obviously if you go back you'll learn for paranormal activity too that the whole reason they needed christy was so that she could and sorry listeners air quotes here marry toby have the baby and give the baby up when it was a boy, when it was Hunter. So I don't think the mother had any inkling on what was happening. No, I don't I don't think there's anything in the plot or through the films that actually says she had any idea what was going on. And I'm pretty sure it's referenced in Paranormal Activity as well, but the mum's passed away. So I think in that scene, she must have died, been flung down the stairs, and then they've just got no memory of what happened. That's the thing. Throughout the films, they've got no, rec- they've got no recollection... Or barely any recollection of growing up. Mm. Was she supposed to have died in a fire? 
No, they said they had a house fire and they had to move and they, all the belongings were gone bar this one picture, which would make sense that they don't remember anything that went on in that house. Because they said that all they remembered was, you know, being frightened a lot, but they don't remember the full cause of it. But that's back to Paranormal Activity 1. Okay, it was possessed, wasn't she? So, like, when she turns around at the bottom of the stairs and she's looking at mum, she's got demon face, which is one of the endings for Paranormal Activity, isn't it? That she's yeah. yeah. But when she's grown up, yeah. But it doesn't, mean, it doesn't necessarily mean she's a demon. She could still be possessed but not be a demon. As you find out from Paranormal Activity, she doesn't start out as a demon. She becomes possessed at the end to go get Hunter. Can I just say one thing about Kater? The adult Kater at the start of the film. Was she not really annoying? Like, overly, overly, overly happy and hyped. Um, Did you not I didn't that? really notice. She probably realised she didn't have to star in four. I know she is. No, she does turn up in four. I'm sorry. She's like, she probably she's only in it for about thirty seconds. Though yeah, she's probably seen the first cut and gone, thank fuck. But so in summing this up, because I think we've covered everything pretty much through paranormal TV. There's only, there's only one thing we haven't covered, which is one of my favourite parts, and I'm really sorry we skimmed over it. But right at the beginning, where the earthquake happens and the dust drops on that figure is a brilliant use of visuals. You're quite right. I can't believe we didn't cover that. I know. Sorry. I'll agree. And there's also one more thing that we didn't cover, and I think it's important that we get this out there, just because it sounded like I had a lot of hate for this film. I do prefer Paranormal Activity 3 to Paranormal Activity. Oh. Bold statement. That's, I can't give a better argument than that. I'll try, though. In true classic found footage tradition, this has all the scares you want, and in paranormal activity tradition, it has perfect jump scares, the performances are great, and it has an ending where you sit there and go, what the fuck was that about? So, vote for paranormal activity free. Thank you. Moving on to my pick for their sequel, I have chosen 1987's A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, Dream Warriors, which, thank you for the round of applause there, Mercer. I agree, it does deserve that. Um, I think a lot of people would agree that Dream Warriors is one of the rare occasions of a film that may actually surpass its original. Because I know we, we, you can pull that. We've, we've had many a discussion on whether we believe Nightmare on Elm Street or Dream Warriors is the best. It's hard to pick. Um, it's moving on some time after Nancy's trauma from the first. And uh, we are introduced to Kristen, who happens to be experiencing dreams involving Freddy Krueger. And she ends up in a psych ward with all these other children, children, teenagers, who are experiencing the same dreams that she's having and Nancy turns up to help them find a way to defeat Freddy and all come together in the dreams. It's got the, some of the names attached to this film are just incredible. Not just, you, you know, your standard Patricia Arquette, Robert Englund, Jennifer Rubin, all that jazz, uh, John Saxon, we've got Ken Sagos, Priscilla Pointer, Nan Martin, and the just fantastic in all of it. Um, 
it's like I just said, it's hard for me to choose whether I prefer a Nightmare on Elm Street to a Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three because it's it's just a cracking sequel, isn't it? I'm nodding my head. <laughs> it, is, it is great. Let's not forget it's also got Larry Fishburne when he was yes. la- when he was Larry, not Lawrence, yes. not Lawrence, Larry. Yeah. Also, it had like four writers, which. In this day and age, like anything that's got a lot of writers, people turn the nose up, unless it's like an Avengers movie. But that included Wes Craven mm. and the first writing credit, I believe, for Frank Darabont. Oh, really? Of the Mist, yeah. Well done. Good investigatory work. I just read IMDb. <laughs> I was like, good watching the film. I mean, it's iconic. This film, in its opening alone, I can quote word for word because I've watched it that many times. And when I was younger, I kind of wanted to be Kristen, saying that I kind of wanted to be Nancy as well. So, like, across between both of them, because they're both badass bitches, you know. Um, but having been an adult and doing what Kristen does in this film, I'm, I've made a point in my notes. It is not that fucking he- easy to do papier-mâché. Like, I've tried to do it for work, and she makes it look so fucking... It's not easy, guys. I'm just warning you if you're going to try it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not. It's not easy being Papi and Mache. I had a breakdown doing it once. It's the worst. <laughs> the house at the start is really good as well. The Not her house. Her house is nice enough, anyway. It's all right. The actual house. The actual Freddy house. It's really, <laughs> one of the things recently I've had a lot of advertisements pop up for David Arquette's Documentary, you mm. can't you can't kill David Arquette because obviously one. yeah because obviously he's rest now he's wrestling yeah and he's taking a lot of unprotected headshots. I can't help but imagine when he's walking around his home, it looks a lot like that. He's he's got that fog. It <laughs> looks a lot like that when he's wandering around his kitchen. <laughs> Concussion. He's taking a lot of it. He's taking a lot of unprotected headshots. A lot a lot of blood. Oh. I recommend everyone go and check out. You cannot t- you cannot kill David Arquette. Sorry, though. are you are you are you? Coming in with another film on my discussion. Is that what just happened? I'm just mentioning a film that other people may want to go and check out. Right, okay, so back to the film that we were discussing. Yes, Mercer. So, what I think is interesting about this film, and you've just, like, one of you just said it, I can't remember which, because you're not important enough. But um, you said about... Uh, like, oh, Mucus, Freddy's house. And it's like, it's not even Freddy's house. It's Nancy's. It's Nancy's house. Yeah. But somehow, like, it's become as if it is Freddy's. Well, it's not, because if you go back to the beginning, obviously he moves, it it just happens to be that your focus was on Nancy from the start, and that's why you associate her house with Freddy. But if you were going by his house, it's the boiler room, technically. Or the house he has in part six. I've I've not seen part six enough to comment on that, I'm afraid, sorry. Anyway... Also, whilst everyone were wanting to be Christian, which we all were, of course, uh-huh. um, I used to do that by doing what Christian did for no reason at all. Caffeine which and Coke? Going, yeah, coffee and Coke. I'm going to have a mouthful of coffee and Coke. No reason at all. <laughs> were, you being just just... were you being stalked in your dreams? No, just real life. No, not at that age, we weren't, no. See, much like from watching Nightmare on Elm Street, I used to play Nancy where I was running up the stairs and getting caught in the stairs. With this one with Kristen, it's where she's on the floor getting dragged in by Freddy. That was what you played when you were doing Kristen. 
I never had these full play playground experiences that you and Mercer have had in the past, clearly. Clearly I've been deprived. Now, don't forget, Chris, what you learned, yes, last episode, like the full episode, is we've got actual problems, which I didn't think were <laughs> problems until you talk about them. So, yes, playing I'm Getting Swallowed Up by Freddy Krueger <laughs> is quite an odd game to play. And I'm, let me tell you, she weren't playing it with friends. You were playing it on your own, weren't you, Fair? I was playing it on my own. Yeah, you were. Mm-hmm. I used to play Jeffrey Dahmer on my own. <laughs> I used to be a Jeffrey Dahmer victim. Well, at least it's that rough. You mean you were killing small animals and yeah. wanking over them. You roll reversed. <laughs> no, no. I was a victim and I'd wake up and be all disorientated because I'd, I'd been drilled and got bleach in my head. I'd be trying to escape and then have a fight scene with myself, which included me throwing myself downstairs. Oh, God. These are the kind of things that need to be brought out in group, which brings us nicely back to the rest of the uh, rest of the cast here. Uh, if, if, I, if I could just address as well the first dream sequence that we have with Kristen, where she enters Nancy's house and she's following the little girl, um, which, by the way, we noticed that there's a Dr. Gordon and a small tricycle in this film, so don't tell me Saw didn't take from it, especially seeing as Lynn Shea were involved, but that's by the back. So, well, Lynn Shea, Robert Shea. That sort of thing. Um, when <laughs> when she's... It, it's a brilliant scene when she's going in for the little girl and I absolutely love that sequence. It's, it's nightmare fuel, especially when you're younger. But when she gets hold of the doll and picks the doll up and he's just ragging her head around corners, that has not aged well. No, that's an obvious doll. But thankfully, thankfully, the end, that scene with all them dead bodies hanging... Yeah. Which makes you go, oh yeah, this is quite fucking creepy. And we've flipped it to like, he's definitely planning like deaths to look like suicides rather than the over the top ones that we see in other ones like games shoved through. Yeah, again. so Fr- Freddy's getting smarter at the game. Which, if you, if you think about it in this film as well, I, the ratio in, in which you actually see Freddy isn't that large. It's more focused on the kids and the therapy they go through and the dream sequences and such. It's yeah, you you don't actually see Freddy that often. It's one. It's just one of them basic rules, isn't it? You you leave people wanting more. You show them less. In, show them as little as you need to. Which they'd obviously lose as they go along more and more and decide no people are rocking up just to watch Freddy and the rest of the cast are an inconvenience. Yeah, I think at this point Freddy's still. He's, he's on the cusp of becoming that comedy character that we get in the, the later ones, but he's still got that, like, he's still scarier at this point. He is, but he's got some classic lines in this one as well. Like you say, if you're on the cusp, it could go either way, but I think because you've still got that look about him, it doesn't come off as full-on comedic like it does in the later ones. Definitely. I, I think... The introduction of some of the stuff they've done in this one as well works in its favour in terms of them, in terms of Kristen being this person who can bring them all together and draw them into a dream. It it gives it a second level where it isn't just Freddie running around trying to kill one person at a time and nobody believing him. They all believe in it already. They all already know. So you don't need to do that whole convincing of it. It's there. It's, it's present. Some people, <laughs> Dr Gordon... 
I falls rather too quickly into going, yes, I'm quite happy for you to do do this, because I'll entertain your notion that it is a serial killer killing them in their dreams. I think there's meant to have been quite a passage of time. But is there a passage of time? There is, there is not. Four days. <laughs> ah. Oh. The scene where Kristen is in the hospital, she's freaking out. And she starts singing one, two, Freddy, coming for you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, she doesn't start from there, but then she stood and she's going, nine, ten, nine, and then Nancy, boom, never sleep again. <laughs> Honestly, that gives me chills. <laughs> I'm just like, it's fucking Nancy. I think that's like one of the first kind of films ever in my life where I've seen the return of a character and gone, oh my God, this is everything. Yeah, it's, it's great to see her back. It's fantastic to see her back in it. Because I love Nancy as a character. And the characters that you do have in part three are... I'm not going to say groundbreaking, because I think that would be too bold a statement. <laughs> but, groundbreaking! But you, do, you do have certain tropes that you go against. So you've got a disabled person who lives and doesn't get killed. And a black person who lives and doesn't get killed, Kincaid and Joey. Joey's, Joey's not really disabled. He, is, he can't speak, he's, he's mute. Yeah. yeah, but he wasn't mute before. It was the nightmares that made him mute. One thing was, if you yeah. if you think about this logically, in terms of the end conclusion, right? So they've all gone into that room and they're all doing the death they're all doing the final sequence where Nancy dies and it's absolutely heartbreaking and I hate that scene, I can't... But but they had the balls to kill off a main character though, that's all I'm saying. Not many films would do that, they they actually got rid. Scream wouldn't do that, would they? No, I'm just, I can't believe you've, you've just brushed over Nancy's death, like Nancy died, whatever. No, no, no. But, it's but, like but, the but biggest can, death in cinema history. We can come back to it, that's not a problem. But all I'm saying is, as I was watching, I realised they're going to wake up in that room. And the only people out of Taryn, Will... Nancy. Nancy. And Kincaid. And Kincaid. And three of them are dead. Three of them are dead. That leaves Kincaid in that room. <laughs> it, leaves the, it, leaves, it leaves the black angry man as the only possible suspect in a in triple murder. Now, I just think that's going to go down for Kincaid. It went down fine. I know so it did, because he ended up at the funeral. Went to high school... If, the, if this was real life, though, that wouldn't have gone so well for him, would it now? No. You, you're talking about brushing over Nancy's death. We've not even got... Oh, Jesus Christ. We've not even got to Jennifer's death. Jennifer's death being one of the best deaths in cinematic history. Jennifer the character. Yeah. 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 Not Jennifer Rubin, sorry, otherwise I would have said Taryn. But Jennifer's death is <laughs> quite similar to... well. I likened the logistics of it to something we'll be discussing in your pick next, Mercer. Um, But nobody questioned how Jennifer was able to jump up to a TV and put her head in. There's a later scene where um, he's talking to Nancy, Dr. Gordon, and he says, I've got one kid chucked himself off a building, another in a a coma, and a girl who died alone in a room. And you're like, she threw her head into the TV. How is that not the way she died? You just like, she died alone in a room. <laughs> what? 
Oh. Be fair though, they they brush over that a lot. The first death when he throws himself off the roof. Oh, and that's they brilliant. they ignore, they they mention they go. Oh, I just got got a kid who just got went straight through a locked security door. Yeah, that'd be that'd be my first question. What what's happened there? The um the death with Philip. I I was saying to Chris, the, if you talk to people, well, the people I've spoken to about Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three at work and such, they will tell you that Philip's death properly weirded them out you know with the whole tendons, li- tendons and, and stuff yeah. just flailing around they hate it they absolutely hate it and with that will that is the thing they take away from the film more than anything else it, it's it's fantastic don't get me wrong but it, i wouldn't say it was the the pinnacle of the film i think as far as like first deaths go though it's pretty invented the whole kind of Freddy puppet coming to life and stuff. So I think yeah. that looks awesome. I kind of want to see a Freddy puppet like claymation film. Um, it's probably been done. It was. It was I, I thought it was quite. Yeah, I can see why people take it away because it's a first death and that often has an impact on people. And quite often, people wanting to horrible stop at things like that if mm. it's too much. So fair enough. The pinnacle is Joey's superpower of sleeping with nurses, anyway. <laughs> of, all, of all the power you can have from a dream, it just wants to bang be, the nurse. Be fair, yeah, if you were a teenage boy, <laughs> I can understand why he's gone, why he's no! gone that way. Kincaid went strong, Will went wizard master, he's gone tits. They should have let him out and just gone, look, you're clearly the only one who's normal about the lot of them. I'll you, Pop. Interestingly enough, Joey, as a character, doesn't learn that fantasising about beautiful, fit women is not the best thing to be doing for himself because Mm -hmm. how does he die in the next one? He starts jacking over that woman on that poster who ends up in his bed. Sex obsessed, man. He didn't learn. He deserved it. He, he, um, what's it called, objectified women. Tarrant. We'll move on to Taryn's death. This is the, I think, A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 is the only film, legitimately, possibly, the only film where I get double, like, punched in my stomach. Because um, I was obsessed with Taryn. Yeah. Uh, I thought, just as a character, just the whole, oh, my God, she delivers some of the best lines in some of the most bizarre ways. Like, um, oh, what is it? I can do it, yeah. I can do it. I know which one you're going for. Which one? Which one? Don't you understand? That bastard murdered him. That one. Yes! <laughs> yes! That one. And then when she turns around to the guy, she's like, fuck off! <laughs> you're like, oh, I love you. She delivers the lines in such a bizarre way. Oh, except great. for she's the only person in the world who can deliver, in my dreams, I'm beautiful and bad. Mm-hmm. So, because I'm conscious of time, I will swiftly try and get through the rest of what we need to discuss. We also learn in this one the reason Freddie became what he became in terms of his mindset because we meet his mum. And this is his first introduction to Amanda Kruger, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So, she explains obviously that she was raped hundreds of times by inmates after being left in over the holiday. And not to, not to give you any sort of sympathy for Freddy, I don't imagine is her intention, but she does explain that he is basically the product of 
Maniacs. Yeah. Do you know what else is happens in this film? Freddy becomes Fredda. He's only been known as Fred, Fred Krueger mm-hmm. previously. So why did they suddenly start calling Freddy? Because everybody else in the world started calling him Freddy. Mm. That's why. <gasps> oh, God. There's so many good scenes in this film. I know. That it's, it's so hard to cover. Like, the, um, where's the bourbon? I said, where's the fucking bourbon, bitch? Oh, it's all awesome. It is all it's awesome. Really, this is the it's thing. It's really good. When, when it's we, a really good choice. When we found out we were doing sequels, I had so many that I had to go through and ultimately ended up at this one because it is, for me, ultimately the best sequel. When I said to my partner, who doesn't watch horror and doesn't like horror and has nothing to do with the horror world, when I said, we're doing sequels, he went, oh, so Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 then. And I'm like, oh, motherfucker, yes, but it's gone. Um, <laughs> and just another little tidbit, just because I found this out, guess who auditioned for the role of Kristen? Ah, uh, God, Jamie Lee Curtis? I don't know. No. Winona Ryder. Shut up. Shut the front door, yeah. And she didn't get the part because he thought she looked too young. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Anyway. Yeah. I've said I love this film. I'll let you finish off. Fair. Would you say you love this film, Chris? I do love this film. Good, good. Yeah, I, I don't need to say anymore. I think... I think Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 is the obvious choice because it is quite clearly the best sequel of any sequel that's ever been made, ever. And I think that you should be voting it as your favourite sequel, not just for me, but for Nancy. Rest in peace. Right. Let's move on to my selection, which is the 1986 classic Demon Eye 2 or Demons 2 yes that's right Demons I knew we were going to get one of them into this one of these episodes and I finally finally reached my goal so what's Demons about Demons is about it's it's set in a high rise apartment building Um, there's a bunch of different characters in there that we get to meet so like the the nerdy stud um, with his pregnant girlfriend, um, the prostitute, the loving family, um, the little boy who's been left on his own, naughty parents, mm-hmm. the single woman with a dog, naughty woman. Uh, I don't know why she's not. A... But, you know, the way she carries on. Eek. <laughs> um, and then um, I think ultimately we have Sally, celebrated her birthday. Oh, she's Marty. Sally's birthday was is meant to be the event of the year. And let me tell you, it's a fucking event <laughs> because Sally inadvertently kills everyone in this entire fucking block, practically. Because she'd be demonised. Patient zero. And it, she is patient. Well, she's well, for this episode, she is patient zero. Oh, I forgot we've got the 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 gym guy. We all these gym steroid gym people. Um, we've got the security guard. We've got Sally's boyfriend. 
Oh, never ate and uh, gets into building. Y- you know, steroid gym guy. Was he yes. in demons? Thank yes. you. Right. Okay. Okay. The the gym guy is the pimp mm. in demons one. I thought he was. And the the security guard is the guy who breaks into the cinema, like with the girl with the blonde hair. Oh, okay. That's not in Yeah, they both make an appearance. So basically, what happens is. At the end of Demons 1, they get cured and they turn their lives around and they start afresh, only for it to happen to them again, poor buggers. That poor, is unfortunate, isn't it? Unfortunate. Um, but yes, yeah, so anyway, it all it does all kick off with um, Sally's birthday. And you are right, Fair. Sally is murder. Oh, isn't she? Isn't she just... She, she just does not stop fucking whining. I, I literally said it was me before a night out. Is it not me before going out? I lost. I lost. I'm not like Chris answer that. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. I lost focus due to the sheer amount of cake, and then I so I blacked out for about ten minutes while while observing there being cake everywhere, and then came back came back into the film. Yeah, you did. They are they are cake obsessed. They were cake obsessed, but that's like part of the story, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm, quite, and I'm quite happy to see cake everywhere. <laughs> I am a man who likes cake. Basically, what's also happening in this hotel, not hotel, in this apartment is, for some reason, everybody is watching the same show, which is, um, it's like the story of the demons from before. And just like before, somehow, like, well, not even just like before, but somehow these demons managed to enter the real world. Uh, and the first one gets Salah. And she, she just, she changes. It's like, it's like puberty. Sally had plenty of opportunity to run from those demons. She had enough time. If, if you're sat there in front of your television and something starts coming out of it, are you just going to sit there mesmerised or are you going to be halfway down the street? She did run and she tried to get out of the bedroom. Too late. And she turned around and Sally weren't working. So she goes back and she goes, you're stupid! And starts whacking it. What's wrong with you now? I don't know what accent that is. It's meant <laughs> to be Stella. To be, to be fair, we weren't sure where the film was set. So it could be anywhere. It doesn't matter where it's set because it's all dubbed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but I think the whole, the demon coming out of the screen, I think was pretty good for like an 18th film, 1986. You know what I mean? I think it looks quite good. Sally has a tantrum and she goes back in the bedroom, don't she? Which is what happens. And all the friends carry on partying, we are. And then they go to, they like the birthday cake. <laughs> and then they go, Where's Sally? <laughs> and then everyone looks at me, Where is Sally? It's like, Probably mentioned as well that they were searching for her not five minutes before in another scene where <laughs> they were going to take a picture. Oh, where's the birthday girl? Where's Sally? And then they just totally forget about her. And then when they're lighting the cake, oh, where's Sally? You were looking for her five minutes ago. What happened to your search operation? Cake happened to the search <laughs> operation, obviously. <laughs> but when the, when Sally opens the door and she stood there, and she's not a demon yet, she stood and you've got the light coming back from the back, you've got the cake right at the front of the scene. Mm. I think that looks amazing. It does, it looks And I brilliant. think the film, it uses a lot of kind of like shadows and like light to like make things bigger and scary. So anyway, let's talk about Sally's transformation. Okay. How funny is that head? 
their head that pops up. Like, in comparison to the first demon transformation in Demons, her transformation isn't doesn't look as realistic, like, facially. Yeah. But, like, the nails popping out and stuff look awesome. Don't you think? I, I, I like the, the dog transformation more than anything, to be quite honest. Dog transformation we'll get to. Mm-hmm. I think that Sally is the best demon, though. The way she carries her body, she's got, like, this weird, like... She always has her arms, like, out front. Yeah. And it looks like she's giving herself a hunchback and she's, like, going down and she's like... <sighs> well, she is, the fo- she is the focus of the film, so it would make sense to have her front and centre in best makeup. And she does a lot of popping up in front of the camera with, like, a fishbowl lens on it. Which, like, yeah, it looks genius, yeah. Is there, one of their party guests also pops up a lot and I think she looks really good, the woman with the pearls. Mm. Yeah, she's the one who sneaks in on the little boy. Yeah. When he's hiding. Um... <laughs> <laughs> the little boy. Is it can we address him yet? Is that something we can address? Because Address? I've ne- I've never seen a demon turn a little boy into a little man before. <laughs> it's a demon. Hmm. Yes, they did get a little they did get um a person uh, a, a gentleman to play the character of the, the young child once he became a demon. Mm. My favourite scene with the kid, though, is when he answers the telephone and he's like, hello, no, my mummy and daddy aren't here. I'm all alone. <laughs> that is pure kidnap. That's like an invitation for a kidnapper, is it not? It's, it's, the, fact that they, it's the fact that they shot it and then dubbed it and went, yeah, that's how, that's how the kid would sound. <laughs> I think the kid as a demon is quite funny, though. Yeah, And there's definitely. a cute little thing that pops out of him. That cute little thing that eats the entire fucking apartment and tries to kill a pregnant lady. Yeah, well, sweet. That is my favourite thing in the entire film. It is brilliant. It's, essentially, oh. it, turns into, it turns into gremlins yeah. at that point. Yeah, Which is brilliant, because why would you not want to have a film that turns into gremlins? It looks like... Do you remember the goblins you used to get in, a, in the cages in the 90s? Yes, Do you I remember goblins. Know. I can't think what they were called. Goblins, I'm well, sure. Were they just called goblins? Anyway, that's neither here nor there. But that's what it looked like. That's what it reminded Boglins. me of. Boglins! 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 Well, I just said it was cute. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what funny is. When she's finally trapped it in the bed and it starts clawing its way out, and she's like, What do I do? And she grabs a pair of scissors. <laughs> <laughs> Tried to cut his nails. Like, is that come for a fucking grooming session, Hannah? Come on. She's just you trying want to, to kill that beast. She's just trying to sedate it. She's like, look, it's clearly really angry because it doesn't look its best. It feels it's <laughs> it feels it's unattractive. What I'll do? I'll give it a manicure. I'll take it out shopping. We'll get some nice threads. It'll meet someone. Settle down. <laughs> She's turning that demon's life around. <laughs> it's like queer eye for the weird demon guy. <laughs> Queer eye for the demon guy, yeah. I love it, we should start that. Um, Let's talk about the lady with the dog. First point I want to make about this lady with the dog is, how, why is her apartment, like, a fucking mansion? She's got, like, 20,000 rooms, running space for a dog, but Hannah's got a bed next to a city. That's the first thing you want to bring up? Yes. Not, Not the fact that this dog miraculously changed from 10 foot to 2 foot 
in the space of three seconds. It, it manages to knock on a door and jump up to an eye hole, but that's not what you want to bring up first. No, because it was just jumping up on the door. But what I will say is, um, I do think it's funner when she's like, oh, Sniggles, whatever it's called. I forgot I let you out in a high-rise <laughs> apartment building. Like, where's he going? Just shitting on neighbours' doorsteps. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> somebody's doing. That's thing I can understand that she got she let. It's a dog that can hover. It can clearly open the door <laughs> itself. When the dog changes its transformation, mm. I thought for me, I think it looks like an angry prone. Coming out of his <laughs> mouth. Don't you? It looks like a shrimp. Don't, is it just me or thinks so? that? I think we just found the name of our first band. Angry Prone. It's next on the list, people. <laughs> We've got a singer in Toulson. I've I beatboxed before, so we know what my talent is. <laughs> but um, no, I, I love the dog transformation. I thought... I didn't I didn't think it looked like a prone. It, it was kind of a really... Poundland version of an American werewolf in London. Just to clarify, not just any prone. An angry prone. prone. Yes, they look different to regular prones. They look angrier. I'm sorry, Fisherman John, I wasn't aware that this was your area of expertise. So yeah, we've got this awesome dog transformation. Now let's... I want to get to one person last, so I'm I'm saving my favourite character for last. Okay. Because he's my favourite character. And we all know who he is because I've referenced him before. The gym people. I think they're hysterical. He's so macho, like, oh, quick, grab a weapon, run, grab a weapon, fight, grab a weapon. You're like, all right, chill out, mate. The, and then he... I was going to say, the, the whole, their whole strategy is, let's set fire to an enclosed space. <laughs> That's what's funny, because he goes, keep the fire going, keep the fire going. And then, like, three seconds later, he's like, get the fire out! Let's <laughs> let the people breathe! You're like, all right, chill the fuck out. Seriously. But it's the same in the film, isn't it? The, yeah. the demons is like, get them chairs! Get them chairs! And then, like, well, then what do we do? We're trapped. So like, he... his, his plan in both films is to stack chairs to stop the demons from getting in. Fucking chairs, car seats, cinema seats. Like, do you not know this? Other things in the world. People, dead bodies. He's barricade man. That's what we need to call him from now on. <laughs> barricade, barricade man. man. Um, and the women, like not the women, the, the gym people when they're trying to escape the 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 what's it called? I want to call it a dungeon, but that's not what they're called. Car park. Car park. <laughs> Car park. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a dungeon at all. I know. I just couldn't. <laughs> the words would not come together. There's, there's an awesome bit where one of them's banging on the door, but she's like touching a booty art. Like, are they going, oh! And I'm like, is this, was this for the adult version? Like, is the demon going to come and slip it in? I don't know. <laughs> to be fair, there is, a, there is a scene when someone's whacking it with a big pole. So I can imagine there is a version where you go, that's quite a big pole you got there. <laughs> You knew what their direction were, the way they were dressed. You absolutely know what direction they were given for that film. Now, when the residents come down into the car park, I think there's that awesome scene. It doesn't really make sense 
because we've watched many a demon smash through a car window and pull mm-hmm. people out and kill them. But when Asia's in that car and she's watching him get a dad, and she's like, Papa, Papa. Yeah. Or Daddy, I don't know what she says. Because well, we instantly went, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole. Nicole. So, <laughs> but yeah, when she's like, Papa, Papa. And then all demons kind of like turn and leave Dad and they all just get and like ram the face out the car window. I'm like, Oh, bless you, stupid girl. I mean, they were going to get her anyway, obviously. Yeah. Oh, let's not forget the excellent demon moments. Like when they, they, when they come running down the corridor and you've got all that backlight and then eyes and Sally at front going, oh. That is great. It's very in the fog. It's, it, and that it creeps me out a little bit because anything that remotely looks like the ghost from the fog creep me out. But about the scene where they're running down the stairs mm. and they keep peering over, you just keep seeing these bright eyes like yeah. looking over, and you're like, "Oh my god, that's quite freaky." They've not even got the same colour eyes though, which is an, an odd choice in terms of like a costume perspective, because some of them got like white eyes, some of them have got yellow, and some of them have got red, and it it just see you don't often get that. You don't often get like a mix of colours when people change and stuff. No, I wonder if it's level of demonness. Maybe. Like how long they've been a demon. Um, but then, finally, we have George. George is Hannah's boyfriend. George is the one with the glasses and who's a nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a prostitute and they get stuck in an elevator together. And then he realises what's going down and he delivers by all-time favourite kind of performances when he's just stood in that elevator going, Hana! Hana! Nodja! Yeah, it's like Nodja. Everyone watched Isle of Dogs. Not the cartoon one, but the one with Nodja in. Uh, Watch the cartoon one as well, because that's brilliant, um, but, yeah. Edward Hart. Uh, <laughs> but the, just him delivering and shouting that line, and the way his sleeves are ripped off and he's really muscular and he loses his glasses and he's stunning. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, you've never been a dweeb or a nerd in your life. It's like shortly after that, obviously, when he gets out and he gets his pregnant missus and he's trying to get her to safety, um, they start running away from all the demons and Sally obviously manages to get after them as they're abseiling down the building. Where did Sally learn to abseil? <laughs> so eloquently, my aunt. She's a demon, it doesn't matter. That absolutely scene is hysterical because obviously they, they want you to not know that Hannah is not Hannah but a stunt double. So they've just got a flip in her head from side to side constantly so that we can't see her face. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, she could have just put it on one side. That would have been fine. Like, just resting it on his shoulder and we wouldn't have known. Yeah. She's just flipping her head from side to side you're like, what's happening? Um, also, interestingly, three seconds before he abseils down, he throws that demon off her building. She can't when they get down there, but they don't care. <laughs> she's not there. Um, and that scene where Sally like just chucks herself off the rope and starts climbing down, it's fucking terrifying. That's <laughs> they're coming down, and she's going. <laughs> it's terrifying. That right there, listeners, was terrifying. <laughs> terrifying. Nightmares for years. Uh, and then we get into that TV studio, which is bizarre. Because there's a nicely placed mattress for her to lay down and have a baby. <laughs> Sally comes through and she's blind. Why is she blind? Um, 
Because he blows them up, doesn't he? He blows them up and flames with the burnt eyes out. They're okay. all running up the stairs and he knocks the gas off and blows them. And right. It, that small explosion kills all of the demons except for Sala. Yeah. Um... But yeah, I think it's awesome. Like when they're laid down and they get up and they've got baby and Sally's dead, and then the screens all flick to Sally running <laughs> forward at him. And he's just like, Jesus. I thought somehow we were going to get a demon baby. I thought that that little boggling had somehow done something to her that we were going to get a demon baby out of there. Well, we didn't. All we got was a nice, happy baby. And we got them to be able to um, leave the building unscathed and happy. Um, have you got any other opinions on anything at all, Chris? Fair? Fair, Chris? Chris, fair? <laughs> no, you've covered most of it, to be honest. Fair. It's just a lot of bonkers fair. fun. It is very bonkers, yeah. It's a, it's a, So why I love Demons is because it's just an extension of the Demon film, obviously. Which is great. It's, it's over the top. It's it's that crazy, weird dubbing that they've got going on. It's got like some really bad acting, but it works really, really well. And it's got Sally in, and Sally is probably my favourite demon of all time. But demons too, over the top, camp, gore, fabulous. Demon makeup transformations, even if the like one of them is quite shit. Angry fucking prone dog <laughs> killer. Um, little man child, boglings. I mean, this is your childhood, people, and that's why you should rightfully vote for Demons Two as the best sequel, direct sequel, um, for this episode. Titties out. That brings us on to the final selection in our best sequels episode, and that is our audience choice. Loads of people have weighed in with their suggestions, so thank you very much for coming through with the goods. I will just go through a couple of quick ones here just to give them a shout out. So, Salted Popcorn, he came through with Psycho 2. People need to stop forgetting how amazing that film is. To be honest, Salty Popcorn, I've forgotten how amazing Psycho 2 is because I've not watched it in quite a while. No, anyone watched it? Anyone no. remember it? Yeah, I watched it quite recently. Is it a great sequel? I watched it quite recently. <laughs> <laughs> and then Darren Gaskill has weighed in with Birdemic 2, The Resurrection. Anyone want to anyone wanna stick up for Birdemic 2? I've not ah. seen Birdemic 1 yet, um, so I'm holding off. I'm saving myself for that little treat. He's also come through Witchcraft 16, Hollywood Coven, and he's strong contenders. He said, but my pick would be Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors, partly because it's excellent and partly because I remember Jennifer Rubin being an absolute legend at that karaoke night. We all agree with Darren, yes. Jennifer Rubin was an absolute legend at the karaoke night. The Horicon. The Horicon. Karaoke after party, which was absolutely superb, and we all got a little, just a little drunk. Beware though, Jennifer Rubin is very uh, cautious if you buy her a drink and doesn't touch it for several hours. Jennifer Rubin's like a squirrel. She were like stashing drinks in a corner, and then and then sending like a a PA man with her across to get a one secret lesson no one knew. 
thinks you're trying to get in on my karaoke jam. Mm-hmm. I love you, Jennifer, but no, this is my time. She's... I also think she just picked my pint up and started guzzling at it. <laughs> she, I, was, she did. I was about to say, she was very much trying to get in on Mercer's pint. I sat there and went, that's Mercer's pint. To which she went, shh, and then just started <laughs> drinking. He tried. <laughs> I tried. I tried doing it yet, but, but you got horror. You got horror legend. I can't stop her. I had some of that pipe too. So in effect, Jennifer Rubin is inside of me. You've, you've, been, you've been kissing, technically. Whoa, 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 whoa. We've been married. Now. This was pre-pandemic, so just in case anyone was concerned. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So a couple more. Dr. Lauren McIntyre has weighed in with aliens and the Devil Rejects as strong contenders. Evil Dead Two. I love Army of Darkness as well. Also going to say, Jose Mujica's Barons, this night I'll possess your corpse. What? Mm-hmm. That's the film, this night I'll possess your corpse. Oh. This wasn't a threat, this was a... <laughs> I think, like, are these, like, old films? Okay. And then, Andrew Spencer, Aliens, up there for greatest sequel in any genre. Devil's Reject is excellent. Prefer it to House. I'm assuming he means... House, House of a Thousand Corpses. House of a Thousand Corpses, not the Hugh Laurie TV show House. But there is also a horror called House. There's multiple horrors called House. There are. Be more specific, Spence. <laughs> and finally, the Paul and Griff show have came back to us with saying, ooh, great subject. I think that ooh's not as sarcastic as I made it sound. <laughs> ooh. They have recommended Devil's Rejects, Saw 2, Evil Dead 2, Dawn of the Dead. And also, the one that the majority of audience has gone for in their final pick, Scream 2. Oop. 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 Ooh. Indeedy. So, Scream 2. It is a classic. It is. 1997, Wes Craven, Kevin Williamson, back together. So that is literally a year after Scream. It's Scream 96. It greenlit during the run of... Scream. That's brave. Well, well, no, I suppose... Did Scream do well at the box office? I can't remember how well the well, box office did Scream. It did well. Um, I think Kevin Williams actually presented a five-page synopsis for Scream 2 mm. when he presented the script for Scream. So they already had, like, an idea in mind. Yeah, so it greenlit and released less than a year after the release really? of Scream. So it's 1996, like, 1996, 1997, but it's, like, less than 12 mm. months. Oh, wow, that. okay. Didn't know that. The gang all back together. Courtney Cox, Ned Campbell, David Arquette, James Kennedy, amongst literally a cast of thousands of household names, it seems. This is that 90s, that 90s in crowd again. Yeah. The, f- the funny thing when you say household names is most of the cast, or quite a lot of the cast of TV stars, so you've got Sarah Michelle Gellar for she's Buffet, Nev Campbell was still working on Party of Five, Jerry O'Connell Sliders. Oh, was Porsche... Lauren... Sorry. Was Portia de Rossi Portia in de Ally McBeal at the time? Portia de Rossi, Ally McBeal. Joshua Jackson. Joshua Jackson. Lauren Metcalf had just finished Roseanne. Mm. They're like really big TV names. Yeah. So... Okay. I'm going to say getting the break, but obviously they went, oh yeah, Courtney Cox, obviously, so we're still doing Friends. Mm. Just um, that tiny TV show no one had heard of. Yeah. And it, like I say, it's the, um, it's the teen horror crowd from the 90s in terms of like Sarah Michelle, Sarah Michelle Gellar will flip from film to film and the old kind of interlink, as we've said before, 
And they've all worked with Kevin. Well, really? not all, but like Joshua Jackson For... was Dawson's Creek, mm. which is Kevin Williams. Huh? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I just had a panic attack there where I thought I knew I've I made my claim. That. I don't know if it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I do this a lot. What what screen be about cracking opening set piece? Shorter. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, you 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 seem to sigh quite heavy at the. No, do you know why? Because just opinions wise, obviously the first screen it's very tense. We've just got Drew Barrymore and the phone dude and her boyfriend, but it's very a little bit more claustrophobic and tense. And the kill is her. And that's the big thing. Mm. And this one, the kill, the big kill is Jada Pinkett, which is fab. But we also have to kill a boyfriend at first in order for, for it to propel. So the first death, a bit like Scream, yeah. just isn't as... Significant. Yeah. It's one of the things, we're not going to have that tightness and that claustrophobia. Because Randy said, sequels, people expect more. They expect bigger kills, more deaths. So you get that bigger size crowd. So you're not, they don't want to do that... And to be fair, they don't want to just retread what they've done in the first film. <laughs> they don't want to retread what they've done in the first film, but we'll sit and watch a remake of Scream on the, yeah. of the cinema. It, it, <laughs> An actual retread. It might go to what I was saying to you guys earlier when we were watching it, in that it's a sequel, but it's it's showing itself as a lesser film. And that might be also why you have that kind of not so... The opening doesn't have such an impact as the first one did. I think the opening... I do think it's strong. I think the the, the whole concept... Of, like like we said, um, the whole idea of like going to the cinema and having all them people around you like screaming and shouting, that would be so fucking infuriating. Mm. But I guess they needed that in order for the kill to actually work yeah. as yeah. well. You can't have everyone just sitting there in silence while he stabs in the air. But what is funny is everyone's screaming and shouting. Jada Pinkett Smith says one thing and everyone turns around and is like, shh. <laughs> like, all right, How does she not notice that's not her boyfriend coming up from the toilet side? Because a mask on. <laughs> yeah, I know, but Timothy, Timothy Oliver and, and Laura Metcalf have not got the same body shape as the guy she's there with. This could probably feed into a Scream conspiracy where there's more than the killers that we see mm. within the film. Yeah. As in there might be a, a head honcho killer. Yeah, we said it before, one of the ideas was that were floated around was that Sarah, not Sarah Michelle Geller, Sydney walked into a room and every previous person who has been killed during her lifetime are still alive and it was an elaborate plot. I don't know why. Though. Every previous person during her lifetime has we got 3.4 million people trying to squeeze into a room. I mean, who's been, mur- <laughs> who's been murdered, of course. Um, bit tight. <laughs> uh, that would be stupid. I would be disappointed in that as a as a plot. You wouldn't have been able to do a sequel. If you, I could understand if they were just trying to make a breakdown. And it would be a nice, it would be a good ending. I've, no one would be seeing that coming. But yeah, you wouldn't. The studio would look at that and go, "There's no option for a sequel here." No. Anyway, back to Scream Two. I cannot, as I realised, watch that scene without jumping straight to Scary Movie. Mm, yeah. 
like I, I honestly didn't realize the. In, so previously we were talking to was it, Mitch from Strong Language, um, and he said about how when he watched I know what you did last summer he couldn't believe how much like the parodies in, a scary movie yeah. like impacted that and his memory of the film, mm-hmm. and I'm like I don't, as if. And I'm sat, I will legitimately, I'm waiting for her to turn around and say to someone, I've got you. I'm like, no, she didn't do that. And that is a shame because it, it literally did, like, I was waiting for, like... So other people to give us Dallas. Sit down, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted Brenda. I legitimately I wanted Brenda. Brenda. But back to Scary Movie 2. Yeah. I think that is quite awesome. Or Scream 2. Oh, shit, Scream 2. <laughs> I think it is quite awesome the way like that up like when she's walking down the aisle and he's just repeatedly stabbing her and like people are kind of noticing mm. like they're getting flicked with blood and they're like is this legit yeah. is, should I should we do something but then Jada Pinkett does that weird ass scream yeah it is weird um, and that backdrop I just it's like from demons I just don't know why she doesn't go to the exit why she feels she has to get up on the stage? He directs her that way, I think, pretty much. She gets up and gets into the alley and he comes and grabs her, doesn't uh, from behind yeah. and stabs her in the mm. back and pushes her forward. Okay, okay. I always hate the way when people bleed out. Normally, you bleed out, you go down slowly, you lay down because you have to lay down because you haven't got the energy to stay up. When they, when they lay there, half sitting up, and then just suddenly drop to the floor. Hanging that. It's always annoying me, no matter what death scene. So... Cinema done. Sydney's in college. Putting my kids through college. And I find it odd that Sydney has picked theatre as a major, considering she didn't really want to be in the limelight. It's like, where does she think this is going? <laughs> you know, she's not going to be Sydney Prescott, the actress. She's going to be Sydney Prescott. Some dude tried to kill her a million times. An actress. And actress. And actress. I guess it's because she's got like some real life experience now that she could put into her roles. Hmm. Also, without it, they could have that Greek scene. She had to do I understand. It. I, I understand why it's relevant to the plot, but I was just saying in the real world, I don't believe that that's the career she would have gone for if she really wanted to stay away from the media. No, that's I don't think so. I agree with you. It is a bizarre. I honestly never thought of that, but it's a very bizarre choice mm. to, yeah. Considering by three, she's gone completely off-grid. Yeah. Well, off-grid, because she's got a house and a phone line, but she's completely sta- avoiding anyone by the time we go around the screen three. It's like you look at Randy and you completely understand why he's picked what he's picked. Yes. Because that was always Randy through and through, and oh my God, I love that classroom scene. It's It's a bit... It's a bit cheesy when you watch it back, oh, but... Yeah, a little cheesy. I don't know if there's, like, an air of pretension. Oh, there absolutely is. It. Absolutely. But I, that's what people are like, I think. Well, so is that not every film studies class you've ever seen? <laughs> no. I went to film studies. It weren't like that at all. It were like, <laughs> watch 15 minutes of a film and write about the bees on set. That were it. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Um... I, I quit. I didn't finish it. Hence the reason I have no knowledge. Uh, the thing about Scream, the Scream franchise, is the whole self-referential. But I think it was a little on the nose when mm. they do a scene about sequels are always not very good. But it's always been that way, Scream. Scream is blackly comic. It's It 
it, like you say, is self-referential. Yeah. So they've always done that. I just felt that was just a little on the nose as it was the second film. But mm-hmm. the whole concept is tell us a, a direct sequel where it is better. Um, and that's what I'm saying. I think it makes itself out to be the lesser film because of that. And maybe because Kevin Williamson, in his heart of New it is the lesser film? Well, no, I, I think it pokes fun at itself in that that's obviously what they're talking about. And as I said earlier, you've got... You've got Henry Winkler, where he goes out into the hall, and you've got the janitor dressed as Freddy, Freddy Krueger. And it's, it's obviously a nod to where, you know, like Wes has put it in there, whatever. But in this one, you also get a scene where you spot a Freddy-type jumper hanging up, but it's not as classy. <laughs> it's not as high quality. It's, yeah, it's like a, a, a cheap imitation. So, rather, yeah, rather than, rather so, than buying it on the high street... It's a market. It's, it's a wish. market tool job. It's wish. It's wish. Um, yeah, and it does. It does that a lot of times throughout the film, and I, like I say, I think it is making itself out to be that. It's a nice. I like the nice quick reintroductions to Randy and Sydney. Mm. I got really confused when Sydney goes to his classroom to see him because there's been a murder. So mm. you know, there's been a murder at a step film. Um, and the walking nana, she's like obviously quite disturbed about it. And he's putting on a fake British accent for some reason. In denial. I just I think don't understand no, why that's happening. I don't get the reference. I think it, for, for, from what I can gather, it is literally him just trying to brush off and make a joke of it and say, don't be stupid. It just felt really yeah, bizarre. Yeah. yeah, I agree. And during that, who do we have come sneak, sneaking over the banister from behind them? Red sneakers, the sneakers. Sliding in. <laughs> sliding in like sliders, that's his yeah. ah, hey. Jerry O'Connell as Derek. Oh, I love the Jerry O'Connell. And I think they make it too obvious with Derek that they're trying to point the blame at him. I think they spend a lot of time trying to point the blame else at other places as well. So Larry, Larry Metcalf does the whole thing where to them reporters where she's like it makes sense that if it's kicked up again, it's going to be someone from who went through it before. So she's directing the, like, it towards, like, Sydney, Dewey, Randy and Courtney. Mm. Complete mix of names there. It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And then he does that, yeah, um, Timothy Oliphant does the whole, um, why did your boyfriend even go back in there? Like to to Signa when yeah. he first gets stabbed, and he's directing it towards them. And mm. I'm, I don't know. There's a real, there's a really odd bit earlier with Timothy Oliphant as well, where I don't know whether, whether they just failed to follow up on it, but it's when he he comes behind him when they're discussing the first one of the murders, and he goes, "Oh yeah, she was stabbed seven times," which hasn't been mentioned in any of the broad, broadcast. And he could only possibly know it if he's the killer. Fair point. And then what are they on about there? Oh, the woman in the cinema. Is it a woman in the cinema? The mature student. Sorry, Jada Pinkett, but you're not 18. <laughs> I mean, fair, there's a lot of people there, so it could have been. If it's that one, then it's easy to could have been. Oh, someone saw seven stab wounds. Oh, it could just be that rule, like, you know, she was stabbed seven times, she was stabbed 50 times, she had a throat slit as, you know, stories progress. Speaking of characters that don't look like teenagers at all, one of the best things about Scream 2 is the the references to Stab 
and especially the comments that were made in Scream that have now made themselves apparent in Scream 2. It's like, oh, you know, in Malik, I get Tori Spelling, and then Tori Spelling's in the film. And uh, Luke, Wils- Luke Wilson? Luke Wilson, yeah. Who looks nothing. <laughs> like he definitely sh- looks in his 40s, because yeah. that's you. To be fair, Jerry O'Connell was permanently looked about 30 for 30 years. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and do you know what we've, we've neglected to mention, just character-wise? Sidney has a best friend called Haley. Haley? She could be called anything, because even though she appears in the film quite a bit, she's literally not given anything to do, Bella. Mm. Like, even, like, I forgot she existed when I watched this film. The only scene that she's got that's quite tense is that car scene. Um, but even then, like, you forget her a bit. I think maybe because they wanted somebody to maybe mirror Tatum in that she needs somebody there to who's out to protect her and stuff. So when she gets into a confrontation with Gail Weathers... Um, she's there backing her up like Tatum did when it happened in the first and I think it's maybe just just as she's got someone there for support I'd say I just feel like they completely underwrote the character yeah but you you can't give everyone a stellar performance though can you I think she's I think the character's underwritten and underused it feels a little like a waste of a character Mm. that's fair enough I'll tell you something, when you, when you do eventually find out who it is in Scream 2, back in day, it were a bit of a shock to have a woman as the killer then, because it, from my experience, from what I watched, it wasn't massively heard of. So it was, a, I, th- I thought it was a a nice touch, having two killers and one of them being a female. I need to mention this scene, because it's my worst scene in the Scream film. You're pulling her face as if you know which one I mean. I do know which one what, you mean. Which one do you think I'm going for? I think you're going to go for the I think I love you scene. No, not at all. Oh. No. The worst scene for me is, which really, really kind of frustrates me, doesn't make sense, is the, the Greek play scene. Okay. Where, you know, she's doing the play and the rehearsal and we keep seeing screen face and she's running around the stage as if she's trying to get away from him. Mm. But you're like, well, you're not running around the stage as if you're trying to get away from someone because you're obviously still keeping your blocking. Otherwise, the rest of the cast on that stage would be completely thrown mm. and wouldn't know what to do if you were just running around like a mad woman. <laughs> How can you block? Did they block it for him to be there? There's a whole cast there where if you just stood there screaming, ah, oh, there's a killer. <laughs> I would probably react. I thought like, she didn't even scream. She like runs around and puts her arms in front of her face like she's doing a Greek church. She's going, <gasps> At that point, Sydney doesn't know whether she's going crazy and seeing things or not. So I don't think she automatically wants to leave if it's just something she's got in her head. So she just decides, I know, there might be a killer on stage, but if I keep my blockhead, I'll be fine. But that's the thing. She's trying to act, she's trying to act normally. I love how you're trying to like make excuses for I'm this. not making excuses. It, it, it comes up a few times. She has it, it. You reference it in first where she doesn't know whether what she's seen is real or not because she's been traumatised, so she doesn't know whether it's in her head or whether it's actually happening. And the thing is, right, it could be either because I didn't see none of them react to the only person in a ghost mask. Exactly. So she wasn't... That, that's my point. The scene doesn't make sense. 
So either Ghostface wasn't there, mm. yeah, and if he wasn't there, it doesn't make sense that her response wasn't to run for help or run off the stage, but was to run where she was supposed to run during the, the scene in order for the rest of the cast members in that part to play their part. That doesn't make sense. Because she was carrying on. We should mention at this point as well, the two most useless cop security team. So we have this and we have Ghostface, whether he is or not, is there or not. So she runs back, she runs into the, not even just backstage, she runs into the actual stairwell kind of exit area. So while she is running out, running out the back door, the two detectives are standing there watching this. I'm not sure if they just go, standing there going, oh, this is a thrill, thrilling performance. Or they're just paying absolutely no attention whatsoever. But they just go, yeah, we'll, we'll just let her go. They're having a whale of a time just watching her. So like, well, this is dramatic. They're just as bad in the library as well. When they go, it's which is obviously, they have a section where all the terminals are linked and she's not online. So we know the killer is it in there somewhere. So normally you go, right, should have one person probably staying here for, looking for the killer. One person to get her outside and make sure that she's safe. What they instead do is go move to an isolated corner, out of view of everyone, go wait here. Next to a stairwell. Yeah, where anyone, anyone could, could come yeah. up. Yeah. Which they do, because Cotton comes yeah. up, who then proceeds to drag her around the stairwell <laughs> and like force her down the stairs while he's getting angry. And they're like, just faffing around in this library. I'm like, how long does it take to check the few computers that you could see? Yeah, it's not like computers now. There's only about five in there. Another thing with Scream 2, I really like Scream 2. I love Scream 2. But I've not watched it that often. So on this rewatch, I'm a bit like... So do you know the Sarah Michelle Gellar death scene? Mm-hmm. I remember that being so much more intense and the chase scene being a little bit more elaborate. But this right. time they were like... He jumps out, she runs up some stairs, he stabs her, he throws her off a building. What doesn't make sense is why whoever lives on that floor, why they put the bike at the very top of the house <laughs> yeah. for her to throw down the stairs. Again, that that goes back to Scary Movie as well. Grandma! <laughs> scary Movie has ruined everything. <laughs> but, like, I don't know, it, it felt a little underwhelmed. It's so sad when you're saying death's underwhelming, in it? This murder didn't really please me. <laughs> but I were a little underwhelmed. I'd be like, I remember that being a bit more intense. And then and then I flipped to the, the Randy statement about the deaths are almost more elaborate. And yeah. I'm like, Casey's death is like so much more elaborate than that. But yeah. on the flip side, you also have like the death air quotes of Dewey. And... Dewey. Dewey. Dewey didn't die. No, he doesn't. That's why I did air quotes. But she thinks he's dead. When they're running around the sound booths and they can't hear each other, that's a stroke of genius. That's, that a, there. that's a really, really good thing. Yeah. yeah. So they, they do sometimes become... I mean, as, as one... yeah. so, so the elaborate deaths aren't deaths. So that's good. Um... <laughs> Be fair. I know it's not elaborate, but when Randy goes, that is out of the blue. That is shocking. Yeah. I'm just reading my notes, right? I'm so sorry. But someone's just thrown me to six. Tell me if I'm wrong. Randy dies before the library scene, right? Yes. Why is she okay with this? She's not. You'd have thought if Randy died, that might have been like a case to be like, do you know what? Fuck college. 
I'm going home. Also, I'd just like to point out at this point in the movie, my notes become unintelligible <laughs> because you I was falling asleep. <laughs> um, so there's just a lot of squiggles from where I've tried to write the same sentence <laughs> repeatedly. <laughs> I mean, not enough. Um, so, um, I think I pick it up with Dewey getting killed by done. But yes, so that seems really good. The um, auditorium, auditorium scene, quite like that. Yeah, um, it's quite intense. Mm. Be fair, it also gives us a clue about one of the killers, where they're watching the the VHS tapes, and then they splice in the other footage. So it's clearly someone who's filled, someone who someone who, mm, who wanders around carrying a camera all the time. <laughs> and we've already had earlier requests during the during the uh, the I think I love you scene where they where they ask if Sydney would be do would be willing to be in their documentary. Mm-hmm. How did the killer? I know there's two, right? But this is it. Always baffles me this because in that particular scene, Drew goes off upstairs to there. To catch the killer, mm-hmm. and then the killer starts chasing her from directly behind her, like he snuck out. How did that killer? So that 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 must have been both of them working together at the same time, right? Unless they set up the camera on a timer or with a a, po- that, a pusher. Well, you see him. You see him. Oh. In the auditorium. Maybe, like, unless he's just that quick and knows the layout, he just he literally you see a flash. Well, he's half. He's down the stairs, round the back. He would know the yeah. the layout. Mm. And then the, this is when they usher Sydney off in it to get a safe and um, mm. the killer somehow, I don't remember how, ends up in the car. He opens the door. Like, if you're a cop and you're supposed to be, like, the, the best two in the business, why wouldn't you lock your door? Why is your door left open when you've got somebody in the car who's prone to attracting serial killers? Yeah. Lock your door. You would think because... For them to, it doesn't matter if you lock your door because for them to get out, they still and they have to open it on the inside. Yeah, but so, no, that's what I mean. Yes, yeah, so it's not like it would cause them any detriment no. to lock the door no. where they'd have to unlock it to open the door. Mm. Not like in like a house door. Yeah, um, it is great though when he's driving and the pole smashes through that detective's mm. head. Poor guy. I think he deserved it. No, he, he... Would do, he would do the shit job. <laughs> I mean, he deserves a pole through his face. Well, he deserves sake. I'm, I'm scared about my next one-to-one at work now. <laughs> You've not been doing so well. Strangle. Final destination two before or after this? I just think that's... we're with poles through heads. I, I think know. that's 98, isn't it? Destination two. I'm not sure. Anyway, so we're coming to the end now. We're going to learn who the killers are. Um, and Shocker. Shocker is my kid. Mm-hmm. Um, Mickey. Mikey Mickey, it's all the same thing. It's Mickey, um, which is a shock, um, like you've just pointed out. They painted it, uh, and then um, and then they try and red herringers when Courtney Cox walks through the door. Yeah. As if she's the killer. Yeah. And then little crazy Laurie Metcalf comes in behind her with a gun. Anyone have a problem with it just being two killers again? No. No, not at all. I'd say I think I think they've done enough by putting a female killer in there and it actually makes sense to have Dolly's mom as a killer given that Sydney's mom 
was the reason the family broke up and she killed Billy. Which, in a, you know, I mean, at, at no point does Laurie Metcalf go, well, my son did try to kill her and killed a load of people. No, there's, there's no, you know, no accountability for that. It's, it's all Sydney's fault. I guess those of you some might make you a little bit crazy and blind to it. And I don't think any parent wants to admit the son's a serial killer. <laughs> Like, it's not something you've got to, like, Sunday tea with your friends with and go, oh, FYI. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jack's killed another one. Whoop, whoop. Uh, I don't know who Jack is. Oh, the Ripper. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, okay. The only one I can think of. Who was the uh, Jack the Ripper's mum's having people around for tea? Oh, you heard about our Jack. Fucking <laughs> day, yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not good that there was only two. Um, but you saying that just made me think of... Um, Oh, wouldn't it be great? Oh, I'll tell, I, we'll discuss this afterwards. I'm just going to say it now. Wouldn't it be great if part five was Cult of Scream? It was actually a cult based on Scream. And that's how we got away with killing Ned Campbell immediately. Chucky did it. Um, but yeah, I, I, it didn't bother me there were two. Um, it bothered me, Larry McCarthy's crazy acting. I like her crazy acting because she's gone from a role of being the sidekick in Roseanne, where, you know, she was... Just not that character and it's it's a complete change of pace for her and I, I like her character being a bit crazy it just felt a little too manic like me. you just said losing your son will make you manic alright yeah use my own words again. I did I threw him back at you and Cotton gets to be the hero he does finally finally gets his 15 minutes of well he gets longer than 15 minutes and we'll, we'll avoid rolling in the screen free yeah <laughs> We'll make a great mover. Um, I like. I don't like. You know, I do when I don't. The you're not in screen one. He jumps up and then like the killer never dies, and that's a rule that remains. And then yeah. Mikey, Mickey, whichever you want to call him, Mickey. jumps up and Courtney, or Gail and Sydney both like shoot him down, mm. and you're like, all right, cool. I thought it made Sydney look a bit psycho herself when she just goes and shoots a clearly dead woman. Through the brain. She's had enough, man. She has had enough. Clearly dead. She's and had just enough. Like, just in case. I don't blame her. Gotta make sure. Don't blame her. Um, and I will say, I, I think the end is a bit shy. The actual ending ending, just her walking away and the camera coming up. Very reminiscent of Scream. First. But yeah. I'm just like, I'm bored a little bit by that. It's better than Scream 3, where you just see an open door. Again. <laughs> <laughs> All the screams fair. <laughs> Maybe we'll do a Scream special. We totally point. should. We should just talk about Scream because Scream's amazing. But, um, yeah, if you want to vote Scream 2. I mean, none of us actually said why we like it or dislike it. It's fun. It's definitely fun. Yeah. It's, it is a yeah. fun slasher flick. It's, yeah. it's you know, directed by the master. Um, it, br- it brings some shocks in the death of Randy. Yeah. Because that's mm, horrible. <laughs> Um, and as far as like sequels go, it's not it's not a bad one. It was in my top five. I th- I think for most people, Scream Two will be the. I should clarify my top five to. for picking sequels that I had to narrow down. Yeah, it's it was in my in top the... five movies ever. <laughs> it was in there. It was in there along with I think it was Saw Three, and I can't remember what the other ones. Well, don't give them all that because I think I feel like sequels might need another episode. Oh yeah, 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 definitely, Because <laughs> um, there's more than one favorite sequel, but yeah, it's so like you say, if you want to vote for Scream, two, 
then do so. Exactly. So we shall put the poll up by the time you're hearing this, or shortly thereafter, the poll will be up. As I say, vote for either Screen 2 or Paranormal Activity 3. Or Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. Or the film that you really should be voting for, Demons 2. Come on, I have lost every week for the last three weeks. <laughs> Four weeks. We will be back next week with our results show for this. If you've enjoyed the episode, then please rate, review, subscribe. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> please do that. Please tell anyone who you think may enjoy the podcast about it. So until next time. This is goodbye, I suppose. Until the sequel. <laughs> Tatty bye. Bye. Ta-ra.